Why can't those idiots who write software write write software? Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 70 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Reuven Lerner. Hello there. Curtis McHale. Good day. Eric Davis. Hi. Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? Jim Gay. Hello again. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that is Stephen Bristol. Hello. So, getting started, Stephen, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Stephen Bristol. I run a company called Less Everything. Um, we do a couple of things. The first thing we do um, is something called lessaccounting.com, which is a um, bookkeeping accounting software run up in the cloud geared towards small business owners and accountants that uh, hate QuickBooks, that hate difficult, that want something, you know, finally easy in the world of accounting and bookkeeping. We've been doing that for about six years now. Uh, in addition to that, we um, we have another company called uh, Less Films, where we do uh, small films, animations, conference videos, that sort of thing uh, for people. And um, we used to do a thing called LessConf, which was uh, the best conference in the world. Just ask anybody. And um, we uh, we started off as a pro- as a um, consulting company and bootstrapped our way into a product company. So we've done a little bit of everything in the tech world. Nice. So. Between you and me and the other few people who might be listening to this, um, sure. bookkeeping sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's it's terrible, right? Even even accountants don't like it. Yeah, yeah it's I, really terrible. I, I pay somebody to do my bookkeeping because it yes. sucks. Yep. So do we. <laughs> so <laughs> so so does less accounting make it not suck? Well, that that's always kind of been the goal, um, and it's it's a goal that we've achieved at times. You know, our motto is that uh, all bookkeeping software sucks. We just suck the least. So I'm not going to promise that it's not going to suck, but I can promise that it's going to suck less than everything else sucks out there. That that's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly right. <laughs> for, the, for those, by the way, for those of you who are thinking about building a SaaS company, right, like building a product, I would highly suggest not choosing a product which no one wants to use because it's it just it just makes it tougher. <laughs> well, so I'm I'm curious. So um, I I think bookkeeping sucks, but from your perspective. What sucks about it, and or or what do we just have either bad tools for, or a, you know poor understanding? Like, are there are there parts that people hate because they just don't get it, or are there parts that people hate because they really are terrible? Um, it's it's really a combination of both things. Um, so so the tools are pretty terrible, but the whole bookkeeping in and of itself is pretty terrible. So yeah, so the answer really is both, right? So, so that, uh, you know, most bookkeeping software really is just difficult and hard to use. But if you think about the origins of bookkeeping and, in fact, why it's called bookkeeping, right, you're really just keeping track of numbers. And that in and of itself is kind of like as much fun as, you know, just keeping track of, of how many, you know, 
insects are in the house by, by just keeping tallies on the wall, right? I mean, it's boring as hell. There's nothing interesting about it. There's nothing fulfilling about it. Um, the fun doesn't come until you actually have your books in order. And once your books are in order and you've, you know, categorized them properly and you've tagged things properly and you can start looking at reports and start analyzing the data and looking at your, your finances as data instead of as just your books, and you can then actually start seeing what's going on with your business. You can start making decisions for your business based on actual real live numbers. Uh, and that's when things get interesting. And that's when they start calling it um, your finances instead of your bookkeeping um, is what I've found. So yeah, and, and college, because I actually have a finance degree, I had to take two accounting classes. And one was financial accounting, which is literally you know numbers, hash marks on the wall. But then right. the second one is managerial accounting, which is you take all the numbers and what does this mean? How's the business going? What can you do to improve things? And that's, that was the fun class. I actually enjoyed that class because you don't do all the tedious number crunching. You're given the numbers and you decide like, is this business going to collapse within 13 months? Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, you can do, you can do really interesting things like, you know, let's say you've got, uh, three projects that, that are, that you've started and finished or that are in some sort of cycle. And if you don't know what your numbers are, all you then know is how much money you know because of how much money you've made because of what your bank statement tells you. But if you if you analyze your numbers, you put them all in, you tag everything correctly, then you can actually see project by project which ones made money, which ones didn't make money, and how much money. And it might turn out that you have three projects that all have the exact same profit margin, and you know doing one type of project versus the other makes no difference at all. But more, more than likely, what you'll find is that you know, you've got probably two projects that make a lot more money than the third. And if you were to take the time you spent on the third and do another one that's like the second, you'd actually make a lot more money. Uh, so it's those kinds of things that you could, that, that, that's a really easy example of, of how to, uh, of what kind of knowledge you can gain just by looking at your numbers. So I feel like I'm kind of on the verge of a breakthrough here because I don't look at my numbers because I hate bookkeeping. <laughs> Right. Um, so how do I get from the point of, I really just don't want to know what these numbers are to actually have them be useful to me? So, um, it's, it's, it's a twofold process. And, and it's, it's, you know, if you think about the, the difference between those two classes, right? One of them was all about getting these numbers, categorizing them and, and sorting them out. And then the second, they gave you those numbers, then they were already done. So you really need to do that first step before you can get to the second step. And so if you use a tool like Less Accounting, um, and, and many tools do this, but automation is becoming kind of the norm at this point where we can import all of your bank transactions automatically. So you're not, um, you're not, you know, getting, uh, having to input that data. You're not having to go through your check register and, and put it in. And then once it's input, then you can, um, categorize them. There's several levels of categorization. The, the first is, categorize what expense category each one comes out of. So, you know, your the software you use clearly goes under the software expense, the uh, expense category, rent would go under rent, payroll, etc., um, all the way down the list. And then you can do the same thing on the income side. The income side is not as interesting because uh, generally you don't have that many different income types. You know, you have other income, regular income, and um, that's about it. But then what you can do is more finely granulated is you can go through both your expenses and your deposits and tag each one of them. And you can actually use several different tags. So, for example, we'll tag things like less accounting or less films or less account. Uh, uh, I had a third one off the top of my head. But we'll use different tags to, to represent it, um, you know, on the same expense if it applied to both tags or multiple tags. And then you can start writing reports on the different tags and see. So you can have different tags. It could be like a project name. It could be an employee name. 
Um, it could be, you know, however, and you can, you can make them as, as elaborate, as complex as you want. And then the reporting engine should allow you to, you know, look at multiple tags at the same time and that sort of thing. So you can start getting a, getting a feel for what your business is and what kind of shape your business is in. But you have to go through that first step of categorizing, tagging everything. And if it's too tedious for you to do, then you should hire someone to do it. And whether that's, you know, an intern or a low paid employee or a high paid employee or an actual bookkeeper, you need someone who can get that done for you so that you can then do something with those numbers. So, so Stephen, I mean, I was going to ask, like, why would I want this sort of accounting program? Because I've basically for the last, what, 15, 16 years since I started being in business for myself, every month I take a huge stack of papers, bring it to my accountant's office. They do all the bookkeeping, they do the accounting, and they tell me, you know, you now owe this amount in taxes and so on and so forth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say, okay, yes, sir. And we do the bank transfer. Um, and granted, things are a little different in Israel than they are in the U.S., but but fine. But what you're saying is that I sort of that that's um, sort of the bare minimum. What I could right. be using is using this num these numbers to really have a better sense of how my business is running and what's worth and not worth doing. And while I could get those reports from my accountant, it's going to be way easier and better for me to get it from a program where I'm in charge and I can do the queries. Absolutely. And, and the, the reality is that, that most accountants don't want to give you those numbers, right? They don't care. Even though we have, a, we know a lot of accountants that say, Hey, I want to be more of a CFO. I want to use your tool. I want to help businesses and that sort of thing. But when, when you get down to the nitty gritty, they just wind up doing bookkeeping. Um, and, and there are some great accountants that, that actually do and will, they, they will be proactive. You know, I mean, the best thing you want is you want in September your accountant to, to send you an email that says, Hey, you know, it looks like you're going to wind up with extra money, this amount of extra money this year. Let's start spending, let's buy that extra computer. Let's buy that extra thing so we get the deduction this year. But most accountants simply don't do that. And so you want to be proactive and you want to get that information for yourself. You want to be running those reports and seeing what's going on in your business for yourself because most accountants simply won't do it. Yeah, it's really interesting. There have been times in, in my life, in my married life, where we've kind of ignored our finances, so to speak. You know, we just mm-hmm. spend money and enough more yeah. money came in. And so we just spend more money and enough more money would come in. And um, it, it's really interesting how things have changed now that we're paying attention to what we're spending. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with the business. And I don't know why I didn't make that connection, but just knowing what's going on and understanding, okay, you know, this is what I'm bringing in. This is how I'm bringing it in. This is what's still, you know, out there that needs to come in, you know, where I am, what I'm spending my money on, what I need to cut back on, all of this stuff. Don't buy any more books, Chuck, because you have a ton of them. You know, that kind of stuff just, it, it makes a ton of sense. And then you can take control of your business and adjust it so that you can better take care of whatever it is you're going to take care of. And it's interesting, you know, you talk about making more money and I hear people um, some people, you know, don't like the idea of, of making more money because it's bad or something. And for other people, it's, uh, you know, it's other things. But I mean, just understanding what's going on and being able to kind of steer the ship. If you're more concerned with lifestyle or whatever, it just gives you that much more control to steer it toward that. Yeah. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but generally on your show and, and in other places, I don't hear people saying so much that more money's bad as they say more problems are bad, right? More yeah. employees are bad, more projects are bad, right? And there's a big difference between those two things, right? I mean, generally, you know, hopefully if you have more employees and more projects, you're making more money, but, you know, it, it's possible to be making more money with the same number of employees and the same number of projects if you know what you, what's going on with your finances. Now, that's not always the case, certainly, but, uh, you know, there, there's a huge difference between those two things, and uh, I see nothing wrong with having you know, if you're really interested in having a lifestyle business, which uh, my business partner and Alan, Alan and I have always been interested in, then 
there's nothing wrong with with still making maximizing the the revenue and maximizing the profit and without growing the business to a level that's no fun anymore. Yeah. So I have another question, and that is, is how often should I be looking at my books? You know, as little or as often as you need to. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at them every week or every day and the numbers look exactly the same, that's probably too often. If you're looking at them, you know, once a week and the numbers are changing drastically and you're like, oh my God, when did this happen? When did that happen? Then that's probably not enough. Uh, so I think it's going to vary from, from business to business and, you know, the, the financial picture to financial picture. But in, in general, I think you shouldn't be finding a lot of surprises, right? You, you know, you should be going in daily or weekly and, and checking to see which invoices uh, are overdue or which invoices are coming up. If, if you're a freelancer doing consulting work, one of the things we always did is we always got paid in advance. And so, uh, you know, I always had to make sure that we're sending out the next invoice before the, um, the, the current scope of work is completed so that we, there wouldn't be a gap between um, bits of work, um, which just slows everything down, including cash flow. So, you know, I would look at the books regularly to keep on top of, of that sort of thing. And, I, and by that token, you know, we also have a, a time tracking software called Less Time Spend, and so, which integrates with less accounting. And so I was constantly, you know, between those two programs looking, you know, building reports and for time and seeing what, which, what, who, who needs to get another invoice, you know, and, and but y'all, and, and I don't know how you guys do payroll, but we do payroll every other week, which is a slightly more aggressive than uh, twice a month. And the reason we do that is because if you do it every other Friday, then two times a year, there are, uh, there's a month where you get three paychecks. And so twice a year, you can just take a full paycheck and just put it in the bank or go buy something big or whatever if you pay every other week instead of twice a month. But that also means is that payroll is coming a lot more often. Mm-hmm. So I'd be in the bank. I'd be in less accounting and checking. Just make sure, okay, I got payroll due on this date. I got to run it on this date. Um, will we have enough money? Yes, we will. No, we won't. Who do I have to get more money from? That sort of thing. And then, then you know, all the, the project ends. Let's go and look to see if this project was profitable. You know, what was what was our effective prod, um, hourly rate versus what we charge for as an hourly rate? Because obviously those two are different numbers. So I, I don't know how, how often your business, you should look for your business, but I think it's as often as you need to, to know what's going on and to feel comfortable and to, to feel like you're standing at the helm as opposed to chasing, you know, running down the boardwalk trying to get to the helm. So Stephen, I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you, you sound extremely knowledgeable about, about accounting, which is good given that you have a, a SAS accounting <laughs> app. I mean, I would, sort of, I would sort of hope that. Were you always this interested in bookkeeping and accounting even before you launched Less Accounting? You know, I think for the most part, I haven't spent that much time talking about bookkeeping as I've been talking about just running a business, right? And I've been talking about the financial side of running a business. And I think there's a big difference between the two things. Um, when I was a kid, I worked for, my mother had a bookkeeping company. And um, so I, I worked part-time for her through part of my junior and senior year of high school. Besides that, that really was my only bookkeeping or accounting background. What ha- the, the reason we built the software was um, Alan and I, my, I already mentioned my business partner, Alan Branch. When we started up together, we, he had a list of ideas of what, we, of what he wanted to build, of things he could, we could build. And one of them was an expense tracker, and I had a similar idea, and we named it Less Accounting, and so then it became accounting software. So from the word go, we always wanted to make it something simple for small business owners, so we never wanted to get too into the accounting side of things. Like, I mean, obviously, we, we had to learn uh, or we knew enough accounting to write the software, but uh, there's still a lot of, you know, 
of accounting stuff that we don't know and we don't want to know that, you know, our, our CPA comes to us and says, hey, you know, what, what if it did this, that, other thing? And we're like, yeah, that seems like something that, that's really for, for a type of business that's going to out, that's outgrown less accounting. And so we really want to keep it for, for small business um, rather than, you know, you wouldn't want to, uh, to go public using less accounting, for example. Like if that's your goal as a business, you want to start with a different piece of software. Unless you wanted two sets of books, which some companies do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, right? I mean, generally, the, sec- the second there's the one set you show to the government, and then there's the other set that's correct. Right? Yeah, that's the, what I was thinking. That's exactly what wait, I was wait, thinking. Wait, wait, that's not standard procedure? <laughs> <laughs> that's why Eric does his own accounting, eh? <laughs> yeah, that, that's easy to do with a spreadsheet. Uh, I guess another question that I have is, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I just installed uh, QuickBooks on on my machine like this morning. And okay. you're wondering why it crashes? No, I'm I'm wondering like what the differences are, like what one does that the other doesn't or whatever. Well, have have you opened it yet? I activated it, but no, I haven't. Okay, so so I think what you'll find after a few minutes of use is that one is entirely frustrating and the other is only moderately frustrating. Okay. And he's I think that he's being generous there too. That, 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 I think that's the big difference, <laughs> you know, that, um, QuickBooks is a fine piece of software insofar as there are lots of people, mostly accountants that use it and like it. And if you, if you're a QuickBooks user and you know it, then you can make it go, make it really, really work for you. And, and I, I think that's great. You know, less accounting is not for everyone. I certainly don't want to convert anyone. And if someone's happy with a piece of software, I don't want to put them on something with less functionality that's going to make them, you know, less unhappy, right? Because we certainly have less functionality than QuickBooks does. Mm-hmm. By the same token, um, I was in Seattle recently and um, at, at a conference, accounting conference, and there were demos of, of a bunch of accounting products and so for the first time in a long time, I had seen a demo of QuickBooks and I was amazed and not in a good way. I mean, th- this, this, this lovely young lady who was doing the demo spent an hour apologizing for it and an hour, oh, uh, no, seriously, like, like she was trying to do this, that, and other thing. And she, all she could say was, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. Oh, I made a mistake. Oh, this, that, and the other. And then, and then every time she would say, and look, they finally fixed this. Everyone in the audience would cheer. I mean, I looked at around the room and I was just, I was just amazed. I mean, I just couldn't believe that, that, that that's, that's the world we live in. So, you know, what, are you going to like QuickBooks? I don't know. I mean, if you've got an accounting background and if, if you, um, you know, you, you don't really, you know, th- things like, like when someone gives you a simple logical puzzle and you just completely make a mess of it, maybe QuickBooks will work for you. If, <laughs> if you, you know, I, I don't know. You might like it. You might not like it. I, I, who, who can who can tell? I think I think those are the big differences, though. Is that QuickBooks is really meant to be able to do everything, unless accounting is not. And um, the, the makers of, of QuickBooks, and in fact, every other accounting software out there, are all you know MBAs, and they all have um, you know they all have like serious money behind them. And less accounting is made by two guys whose parents are entrepreneurs and who are entrepreneurs and who are interested in small business. And so I think there's there's a certain level of hubris that 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 they have that makes it impossible for them to to really say, well, what does a small business owner need as opposed to what do we need as you know someone who's trying to go public or or has gone public or something like that, right? I mean, those the the, the needs of those two businesses, although they both need to know their how much the money they spend and this and that, but th- there are financial reporting needs that are vastly different, and and I think that's that makes us better for for small businesses. I'll buy that. 
I, I kind of want to get into building a SaaS business. Great. It seems like a lot of people, when I talk about doing SaaS business, and, and this ties right into what you were just saying, what they talk about is finding that niche, that, mm-hmm. that group of people that they want to serve, and then serving them. And so it, it's kind of into that discussion of you do just what the small business needs, and you don't, you don't throw in the kitchen sink. Absolutely. And um, I'm, I'm just wondering, do you ever find that uh, you lose uh, sales or lose customers that would have come to your product had you had just that one more thing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and everybody does, right? I mean, that, that's not unique to us. That's, you, that, that's universal, right? You're, you're always going to get a customer that's going to say, oh, well, if only you had one or two more things, or if only you were $2 cheaper per month, right? And, and I think that, so when, when you, when you're not hearing those complaints, that's when you know you've made a mistake, right? Like, like if you're hearing someone, if people aren't complaining that you're too expensive, then you're way, way, way too cheap. Right. I mean, there, there are just cheap people out there and some of them are vocal and you need to hear them just as the sanity check of, yeah, we're priced okay or we're at least not too cheap. Right. And it's the same with features. I mean, if, if no one's complaining that you don't have any feet, that, that you're missing features, then you probably have so many features that you're missing business because you're hard to use. I think there's no real way to, to do both, make everyone happy uh, from, you know, the feature list standpoint and make everyone happy from a usability and getting things done standpoint. So my other question, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, you mentioned that you guys started out as um, consultants. Yes. Know, building software for other people. And then you moved into, you know, a product business. Do you ever wish that you could go back? No, I think... Um, I, I think, you know, I, we started working on the product before we had a business. So Alan had a consulting company he was doing, and I was actually doing um, like 40-hour-a-week consulting for corporations and that sort of thing, which is basically full-time work. And we started working on, on less accounting on our nights and weekends. And our goal had always been to make our living from the product. And uh, I finally quit my job and started Less Everything as a consulting company. He joined as a founding partner. And then we, we kept doing consulting work t- simply to bootstrap and pay for uh, less accounting. So I, I don't think there's, there's any part of us that prefers doing consulting work. We always kind of looked at it like our clients were our VC. But that doesn't mean that, that that's the right choice for everyone. You know, I think that, that consulting work is really good for some. Some people are really good at that and some people really love it. Um, and I, th- I think we were good at it and we enjoyed it, but I, I think we're better at product pe- products. Um, I've got a good friend who um, owns a company called Thoughtbot, and these guys are, are you know, some of the best Rails developers. Um, in fact, certainly the best Rails consultancy in the world. And um, they had a few products which they sold off, and they kind of minimized. And you know, at one point, I was talking to Chad, and we were we we're joking around that that he thought um, that they were they did better Rails code than we did, but we did better products than they did. And I think it's just personality, and I think it's what you're good at and what you like. I don't think one's better than the other. So how how did you make that transition then? I mean, was it just the working nights and weekends or I mean, and how did you split your time, for instance? Yeah, so so I I mean it's difficult, right? I mean, you know, the the first thing is to know is that we started the company in January 2007 and in 2007 I worked 4400 hours, which is like, you know, like a normal person who has a 40-hour a week job, they work 2080 hours. For that for a year, 
So I worked more than double that. I worked 16 hours a day every day for a year. And, uh, and I don't advise that anyone should do that. Um, I mean, there were, there were nights where, you know, Alan was apologizing for going to bed at 11 o'clock at night, you know, because he was tired. Um, we just worked our asses off. And then, and, and, and so, and so that's one way to do it. And I think that's, that's not necessarily the best way. I think it does require some sort of split, right? I mean, you can't do, um, eight hours a day consulting work and then be done for the day and then expect your product to, to magically appear. But at the same time, you don't have to do eight hours a day of consulting work, right? You could do four hours a day of consulting work and then you could do six hours of product work or vice versa, or depending on the situation. You could also up your rate, right? If you're currently charging 110 an hour, you know, what, what, what does it look like if you charge 150 an hour and work fewer hours on consulting work, right? Assuming you have the work and assuming you can sell that. So there's all, all different ways you can skin that cat. What we always like to tell people, you know, that are, that are doing consulting work or they're, they have a job and they're trying to, they want to start their own product. What do they do first? Um, we like to tell people that you should get up an hour early every day, an hour earlier, right? Because if you don't have the ability to wake up an hour earlier and just devote that one hour a day to, to your product, then you, you're never going to make it in business, right? You're just, you're, I mean, unless you're extremely lucky where everything just falls into place, which, which happens, right? I mean, uh, it's rare, but it does happen. But you shouldn't count on that. So, so just try that. Try to get up an hour every hour earlier every morning and see what happens there. And, and if you can do that, maybe you can do two hours or, or you can do an hour in the morning, an hour after work, or you can start splitting your time up and start, you know, if, if you have, um, a budget, you know, if you have a, a picture of your, of your finances, then you can go and see what you can make cuts on and what makes the most sense to make cuts on and what doesn't. Sooner or later, though, you're, you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and, um, in my experience, you can only take so much of that before you just go just bonkers. And that's kind of what I did, um, I guess, last year is I actually, because I'm watching my finances, I knew how much I needed. And I actually had stuff saved away and used that to buy my own time. So I actually, you know, was my own client exactly. and took up some of my time, built a product in that time, released it. And I've, since then, I've done it, you know, several times now. And that's, that's a right. nice way. So you don't have to do the 16 hour days if you, if you just can't do it or there's personal reasons why. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Yeah. I even Sorry. just put an hour a morning in for the last you know, 15 or 20 days to get a book out that I wanted to write and did a thousand words a day. That's awesome. You know, the other thing I'll mention is that I think if you're, if you're planning on going for a niche market, I would, I would strongly advise going for a niche that you have access to or you can get access to. Right. Well, one of the things we've discovered is that when the whole potentially, you know, any business can be your, your, your client or your customer, it's incredibly hard to reach them. Right. And so, you know, if you look at, at, at less everything and who our following is, right. Um, we've got, it's mostly developers and people in the software world and that sort of thing. But most of those people don't want to do bookkeeping, right? They're not most of our customers, although there's certainly our businesses out there. Um, but most of them, you know, they, they, they either have a job or, you know, they, they have one or two clients and they really just want to do invoicing and that's about it. And, um, they're not really doing bookkeeping yet. But if you have a niche, right? If you, if you, if you have a target audience and, and it's someone who you can have access to, someone who you can see, you know, you can get all of their email addresses that you're much more likely to succeed than if you can't. You know, the, um, it's tough to, 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 I mean, you know, growing a business is tough and, and writing good code and having good design isn't anywhere near as important as, being able to get people to sign up for your app and getting and reaching people and putting your name in front of them. So how did you do that? How did you do that with less accounting? 
We're still working on it. There's no magic bullet. You know, um, we've, we've done all kinds of things. One of the things we did early on is before there was any kind of marketing on Twitter, uh, we, um, Alan, uh, his genius, he realized that, um, most of the people that tweeted about QuickBooks hated QuickBooks. And so he put up, uh, we put up a website called weallhatequickbooks.com, which just showed the Twitter stream for the word QuickBooks. Like we didn't filter it in any way because 99.9% of the tweets were negative. And so that got us, you know, that got us some marketing, that got us, you know, some tweets and some retweets in front of people. And then, of course, you know, so- someone figured it out and started, I-, I think, into it or someone started putting out lots of positive tweets about in, uh, QuickBooks. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and now most of the tweets about QuickBooks are people who sell QuickBooks training. And so, you know, there's not much point to that anymore. So we've done that. Then, you know, here's another example. Entre- Entrepreneur Magazine did this conference about two months ago in Long Beach in, in California. And um, it was a half-day conference and it ended at noon. And so we thought, well, let's go and buy everyone lunch, right? These are entrepreneurs. These are exactly the people we want to get in front of. And and we were unable to get in front of, to, we were unable to contact the event organizers for some unknown reason. They just, you know, you look at the website, you look at whatever, you just couldn't get in touch with these people. So we thought we'd go and put up a picnic table across the street and just invite everyone to lunch afterwards. And that's what we did. And so, you know, we, you know, there was, we, we got about 45% of the, um, the audience actually came to our lunch and we got to meet them and talk to them and that sort of thing. So there's all kinds of, of little little things you can do. Um, you know, of course, we do a lot of content on our blog for SEO, and because um, obviously, get, you know, getting getting good in Google is pretty important. Um, which is one of the one of the ways we did well with consulting was we. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's still true, but at one time, if you search for uh, Ruby on Rails developers, it would be RubyOnRails.org and then us. So it's, it's, you know, but getting in front of people and getting, getting known is tough and it's an, it's an ongoing thing and there's no, there's no silver bullet for it. Do you think that it, you, it, it's harder for you in some ways to reach people because you have such a wide potential audience of all these small businesses that it would be easier if you were looking for one particular kind of business? Well, I, I, I don't think so, right? Um, I, cause, I, cause the only, I mean, the, the way to overcome that is you segment your market, right? And so you say, okay, so this month or, or for, for the next six months, we're going to go after software developers or pizza parlors or, um, um, you know, photographers or whatever it is, right? Um, so, so in that way, you just segment and then, and then just try and focus on, on getting in front of them wherever they are. Uh, I'd say the biggest obstacle to us getting in front of people is money. Um, because we're, we're bootstrapped. We never took, we haven't had a dime of investment. We don't have any debt. So any bit of marketing we do has to come from the app itself or from, you know, our business. And so, um, it's, you know, in a sense, you know, with less films and less accounting, we're still kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? I mean, you know, less, at some point, less accounting will have enough customers that it's going to, kind of become this nice little monster, right? Which, which can just, just generate money and we can keep, then we can just throw more and more money at, at, at R&D and throw more and more money at, at marketing and that sort of thing. Um, but we're still in that, that place of, you know, having to watch our pennies and, and make sure that, that, you know, everything is, is, is kosher on the budget and that we're not, we're not overspending so that we can stay in business and keep going. Are, are, you, are you comfortable saying how many customers you have now or how many people do you have working for you? Um, I'll, I'll tell you the latter. So we currently have three developers plus um, myself. I'm an engineer, um, although I don't do that much development work um, anymore. But I do, I do, I do write at least some code every day. 
Then we have two people in support, one of whom is a bookkeeper. And then we have Alan, who is a designer, and he also helps, you know, obviously together we run the business and make the decisions. Um, and that's on the less accounting side. On the less film side, we have um, a guy who, who does the, the video work and the, um, the editing, uh, and we have someone that runs that business for us. So I, did, I didn't count. How many is that? Is that eight, nine, something like that in total? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. How, is this what you were aiming for when you guys decided to have a SaaS business that you wanted to have, not just the two of you guys, but a bunch of people working for you? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that I don't know that we ever had like a dream of how well, what's the perfect number of employees to make us happy. I mean, you know, honestly, I think that that dream would be zero, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, if we could run everything and get everything done uh, without any employees, I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, it's it's not possible, of course, because you know there's there's too much there's too much ongoing work, whether it's uh, new R and D or, or fixing a user issue or um, uh, you know s- uh, server issues or updates or you know customer support. I mean, we we could never do that, just the two of us. So I I don't know. I mean, we like the number we are now. You know, we like we like working with people who we'd like to do we'd like to hang out with. Right, so so we do this thing, or we do this thing called less cough, and, and one of the, the things we would do with that is we, we'd fly our employees in, and we'd always stay for a couple couple days extra, and it's just like fun, nice people to hang out with, and so for us, like when I, when I was hired, when I had to hire a developer, you know, one of my qualifications was personality. Personality was equally as important as engineering talent, right? And so I would take for granted that that if I'm going to hire you, you're going to be a senior level engineer because I only hire senior level engineers. But then you have to have a personality to match that. You know, you have to be a great guy. You have to laugh. You have to get along. You have to, you know, be someone that that's that's fun. You have to be someone who, you know, if 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 I swear too much, you're going to be okay with that, or you're going to tell me to, you know, okay, it's enough, right? That sort of thing. So I, I think that's more important than the number. I know that there's there is a number where scale gets difficult, and I don't know that we're really ever we've ever been interested in getting that big. Um, I don't know what that number is. Certainly over a hundred. Maybe it's over 20, maybe it's over 50. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you came on the show and talked about it. Are there any things about bookkeeping or uh, SaaS business or just business in general that you think uh, we ought to know or that you want to share? Yeah, you know, a couple of things. So uh, the, the first is that I think it's a lot harder than, um, than people uh, make it seem. You know, I think that, that most people go into this that, that there's I think there's an industry built around entrepreneurs right and that's whether you're a consulting company or whether you're uh, building a product um, there's an industry of people that want you to buy their books and people that want you to attend their conferences and people that want you to keep reading their blogs and um, and on and on and on that make money because of us because we're interested in doing this particular kind of work and so to keep making money, I think they try and do two things. They try and make it look easy and make us all feel like, like we're stupid for not, for not being, you know, millionaires already, number one. And number two, if we haven't done it, then we're stupid for not starting because obviously it's so easy to get there. And I think all of that is complete bullshit. I think that running a business, and I don't care what kind of business it is. I don't care if you're, if it's, if you're a pizza parlor or if you're, if you're, um, you know, building server infrastructures, right? Running a business is hard and it takes a lot out of you. It takes everything out of you. And, you know, you have to make sacrifices. You have to, um, you have to decide whether you're going to go to that kid's soccer game or whether you're going to go to work because you, you have to get that thing done, right? And you don't always choose the right one. And, and 
I think that there's not enough emphasis placed on the difficulty of it, and it's not made for everyone, and there are no guarantees in any of it. And then by the same token, I think that the that same, you know, industry or whatever wants us to think that um, we have to do it all the time, right? And so, like, I have a buddy, if I could just wrote a blog post about this, um, who uh, we're talking about what we do to uh, to kind of relax and unwind at the end of the day, and he was saying how he likes to read, and I like to read a lot, uh, and, and I read every day. I mean, it's, it's it's one of my hobbies. And and he was saying how he likes to read, I don't know, some kind of mystery books or something. But what he winds up doing is reading business books because he feels guilty for reading mystery books. And, you know, I just think that's such crap, right? I mean, you know, that, that, that here's, his, his, here's his 20 minutes or hour, whatever he gives himself for the day to really unwind. And he feels... Like he's not doing a good job if he's not using that time to 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 read some business book, and um, I just that, that kind of thing just makes me sick, you know. That that you know we're here to be happy, right? The purpose of life is to is to find or to uncover our happiness, and not to not to get rich, and not to to build a business, and not to be famous. And and so I think that that in our industry, and and in the the freelancing world, and in the the SaaS world. There's, you know, basically zero emphasis put on that stuff. And and I think, you know, if you want to build something, if you want to run your own company, I think that's great. But I think we should all be asking ourselves, what do we really want in life, which is happiness generally? And then how do we go about getting that? And is, is you know, if, if it's building a business, great. But, you know, th- that's that's what we're here to do. It's not it's not to to get rich and famous in the eyes of our peers, I think. But, you know, regardless of all that, you know, you can still use less accounting. <laughs> I, I think that's a really good point. Um, I uh, I often feel that way too. Like I, if I'm not reading technical books, then I'm not really advancing myself, and I can't move forward, and I won't be able to do all the other stuff. So I never read fiction, and I've gotten to the point where I'm getting a little older now, and I I I'm tired of uh, putting up with that stuff. So I it's it's nice to hear um, people who have successful SaaS businesses who put the hours in, who say, you know, look, we got we have to balance it. So I, um, I totally agree. Right on. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time. So, uh, let's go ahead and do the picks. Reuven, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, I've got just uh, one pick for this week. Uh, you guys on the podcast know that I've had problems with my computer over the last month or so. So now that I'm in Chicago, I went and got a, brand new MacBook Pro. And, you know, there are, of course, a, a few different approaches to buying computers. And I tend to just sort of buy a relatively high-end one and keep it around for a few years until it runs into the ground. And so at least for the first few months, it just feels blazingly fast. It's sort of like, you know, Orwell might have said, two cores good, f- uh, two cores bad, four cores good. So uh, I, I'm definitely feeling the uh, the love of having lots of cores and uh, fast SSD. And um, if nothing else, backups run way, way, way faster. So anyway, that's my pick for the week. And the fact that I was able to stay on the podcast till the end is a, a nice plus as well. Yay. <laughs> Jim, what are your picks? Um, I only have one and I've just started trying it out, but there's a service uh, called Relately, relate.ly. And um, it's a way to keep in, tra- in touch with the people who you know. Like I, I often have either previous clients or just old friends who I haven't gotten in touch with in a while. And I kind of wanted something to remind me that, hey, you haven't talked to this person in a while. Just send them an email. Um, so I'm trying it out. I haven't really used it very much, but uh, check it out. Nice. Curtis, what are your picks? 
I'm just going to go with one today. I'm going to pick Capsule, which is a developer's, I guess, journal. It allows you to stick code in it and comments and what approaches worked and what didn't. And then you can actually run it locally, and you can also sync it with the server. So for a team, you could sync team projects, but keep your private ones and sync your private ones to a totally separate server or just keep them locally. That's a free open source project uh, built on WordPress. All right, Eric, what are your picks? All right, so I got two. Uh, one's a book I finished uh, a couple of days ago. It's called Manage Your Day-to-Day, Build Your Routine, Find Your Focus, and Sharpen Your Creative Mind. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's in the Prime uh, membership library or whatever. Um, it's nice because it talks about like a lot of the creative side of like how do you like refresh you know, your energy, how how you plan to be creative and all that stuff. It's And it's written by, I don't know, maybe a dozen different authors so you get a lot of different perspectives there's quite a bit in there about building good habits that can let you be more creative and i think especially as freelancers who are doing creative work you kind of get into this rut where you're you know you have to produce but sometimes creativity is just not there and i found a few tips in here that i'm going to start working to try to apply to my own business to kind of have that spark when i need it and then a second uh, i listened to a new podcast last night there's one episode that was really nice uh this is the software indie podcast um, the specific one is from consultancy to product. Uh, it's nice because it's someone's story about how they had a, a consultancy and then they took time off and they actually paid for some of their developers to build, I think it was an iOS app, launch that and how they use the iOS app to help get better clients. So it's a pretty short one. It's uh, it looks like 17 minutes, but I really like that episode. I'm still checking out the rest of the podcast, see what's in there. Nice. Jeff, what are your picks? Uh, I've got one. Uh, a follow-up on Eric, though. Uh, the Software New Podcast is really good and I think the episode he's talking about is with Rob Ryan and they built uh, briefs. Um, but it, it's interesting. They have a four part, they go through a four part series on basically consulting to product and their sort of high end behind the scenes. Can't tell anybody we work for you because our clients will kill us kind of people. And so they were building a product to showcase their work and then uh, sort of the evolution. It's so it's interesting. And the guy that, uh, does a podcast is working on his own SaaS app and it's kind of a journey, but the first 12 or 13 episodes have not really been about his journey yet, but it's a good podcast. So uh, I second Eric's recommendation. Uh, so my pick is an article by Nathan Berry on how to launch anything. It's on smashing magazine, a bunch of, a bunch of information about uh, how to launch a product and collect emails and, how to keep your list warm and all this stuff that uh, Stephen was just talking about, uh, how our community is encouraging us to read business books instead of Honor Harrington or whatever we want to do. But so timely. That's my pick. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and uh, give you guys my picks. My first pick is uh, Markdown. I'm sure most of you know what Markdown is. It's a really simple markup language, um, and I really like it. And so um, I'm sure it's been picked on the show before, and I know some of us use it for different things, but it's just a handy way to represent stuff. And my other pick is readme-driven development, and I think that's also been mentioned on the show before. But that's how I'm approaching a new project that I that I uh, decided I wanted to work on. Of course, I'm going to have to rethink it because it looks like or lately is a lot of the same. So <laughs> I'll decide if it does what I want, if I want stuff to do, and then if it doesn't, then I'll probably go and build an open source system that does what I want to do. But anyway, <laughs> Stephen, what are your picks? 
So uh, the first pick I've got is uh, going on my theme of happiness. One of my favorite topics is there's a TED Talk by a guy called Dan Gilbert where he talks about why we're happy and how we uh, how the brain synthesizes happiness. I think it's a pretty good talk and everyone should check that out. The second pick is um, based on uh, an event that happened just the other day. I went on a half marathon. Uh, I ran a half marathon for the first time in my life. And I just went out running and ran a half marathon and then came, you know, finished up back at, back at, ha- at the house. And for those of you that know me, I'm a pretty big guy. So it's a pretty big accomplishment. And I did it just by, I started with a, a couch to 5K app, you know, somewhere around a year or so ago. So I want to just any couch to 5K app for your Android or for your iPhone or whatever, just pick one up and just get up off your ass and go. And my last pick is um, an app called planscope.io. By, written by a buddy of mine called Brennan Dunn, and it's um, it's great for freelancers who are planning projects, who are doing project management, who want to see how much money they make, whether they should be raising their rates, that sort of thing, um, planscope.io. Awesome. All right, so um, one last thing that I want to bring up. We are going to have David Allen, uh, the guy who wrote Getting Things Done. He's going to come on the show and talk about Getting Things Done on the 30th of July, so you'll probably get it like the 6th of August. Uh, get the show something around there so um start reading the book um you've got a little less than a month and then we'll talk to him about uh productivity 